Good morning, Calvary Church. Uh, would you grab your uh, outline? It's in the bulletin there. And we're going to continue in our series called The Followers. And today we are talking about a female follower. Women, you want to give a shout out for that? All right, there we go. There were actually women who followed Jesus. And so we are going to talk about actually uh, one of them that we're going to talk about today. Her name was Mary, Mary Magdalene. But today starts three weeks of Mary's. There are lots of Marys in the Bible, and so we're going to hit just three of them. But uh, the one today is going to be particularly interesting. I-, I want us to talk today about this movement, a progression in our lives from darkness to daybreak. And as we're even looking at what's going on in North Korea, uh, I-, I want us this morning to connect with darkness in our own lives. And I know that it's not the most fun way to start out a message, but we all at some point have come in contact with darkness, with pain, with struggling, and, and Mary Magdalene is a great example of what this looks like to move through it. Now for myself, um, one of those times in my life was when my mom passed away in 2003. Um, she died of breast cancer, and I remember the darkness uh, that, that I encountered, and there's a point where you are incredibly broken, incredibly sad, and you're trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this. And there just seems to be a a cloud, a fog that you can't get out of. And there was a guy who wrote a book. His name is Gerald Sitzer. The book is called A Grace Disguised. And he, in one car accident, lost three generations of women in his family. He was driving the car. There was a drunk driver. And he lost his mother, his wife, and his four-year-old daughter in this accident. And he talks about the process of grieving and what that looked like and the darkness for him. He said that he saw a vision. He had a dream um, of, of him trying to chase the sun, running to the west and trying to stay in the light. And as he would turn around and look behind him, the darkness, the storm cloud was chasing him as he was chasing the sun. And this was a picture that, that just kind of haunted him and, and he was trying to stay in the light as much as possible. And as he sat with this and as he talked to other people, um, one of the people in his life, I believe it was his sister, said, the best way to catch the daylight is to run the opposite way, to plunge into the darkness and you'll see the sun come out on the other side. There is darkness that takes place in our lives from time to time and, and sometimes it feels inescapable and sometimes we spend a lot of time trying to stay in the light. I want to look at the life of Mary Magdalene this morning and she's this character that we've heard a lot about. In fact, she's one of these followers of Jesus, but that's not how her story started. She's a a woman who was mentioned in all four Gospels, especially in connection to the crucifixion. Um, If you saw the Da Vinci Code years ago, some of the things that were put out, there's a lot of uh, stories that have circulated about her, even going back to the medieval times. Uh, but one of the stories about her is that Jesus and Mary Magdalene were married and they had children. Um, it was also mentioned in that movie that Mary Magdalene was the beloved disciple that is mentioned in the book of John and not John actually himself. 
Uh, Mary Magdalene, her name, Magdalene, is, is not actually her name. It's describing the place that she's from, Magdala, or uh, today in English what we would call it is Migdal. It's this little fishing town on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. And scripture actually has quite a bit to say about her and her story. Um, and, and so what I want us to do, we're going to be going through all four Gospels this morning and just pulling out some verses of her life and seeing this movement in her life uh, going from darkness to daybreak. Now, uh, I want to go to Luke chapter 8, verse 1, and, and we're going to just pick out different pieces of her story and string this all together. Um, but what it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 1, it starts out like this. Soon afterwards, he, being Jesus, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. Now, right off the bat, it says soon afterwards. And, and I want to just give us some context. If you go back into chapter 7, it's talking about this story of this woman who comes up to Jesus and anoints his feet with her tears, wiping her tears on his feet and with her hair. And, and there's this interesting thing that Jesus points out to those who are in the room watching this event. And he's, he's making a criticism against them. And he's saying this. In, in 745, he says, You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. I hope at the end of this that we're going to be able to just see that God is using the life of Mary Magdalene to demonstrate total desperation to total devotion. From darkness to daybreak. There's this progression that takes place that she was forgiven and, and saved, redeemed and rescued from so much in her life and that dramatically made a difference in, in how she followed Jesus and, and what took place in her life. So if we continue to read, Jesus is going around and he's preaching. He's going from city to city. He's basically evangelizing. He's saying, the kingdom of God, I want to tell you about it. He's, he's a herald. He's going in there. And, and it says, and also in verse 2, some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses, Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna and the wife of, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. Now, it's kind of interesting Mary Magdalene, we read this, this phrase, it shows up twice in the Gospels. Mary Magdalene, whom Jesus cast out seven demons. Not just one demon, but seven. It's interesting that she would be called a follower of Jesus. Uh, one thing I want us to know is that our backstory does not disqualify us from being faithful followers of Jesus. And you look at this passage and, and it's saying that Jesus is going around, but we have Mary who has this like sordid background, this history uh, being possessed by demons. And, and you look at this. Now, I, I've written here in your outline, there, there's, there's two things. I, I want you to remember this phrase. Um, and, and maybe you recognize this, but it's, what's your story, morning glory? 
Now, raise your hand if you connect with that song from Ella Fitzgerald. Thank you, both of you. I appreciate that. Raise your hand if you know this song from a band called Oasis. Wow, double. We're at four. The rest of you, let me just clue you in for a second. Fantastic songs on both sides. But I want you to remember this phrase with Mary. What's your story? She has a storyline, and she's going to be moving. We're going to see morning glory in her story. And, and we've got to wait till the end to see what's going on here. But this is the idea. This is Mary Magdalene's story. And if, if you have your outlines, you can kind of see where I have uh, laid this out. There's this movement in her life from darkness to deliverance to discipleship to disaster to daybreak. And, and we want to tell her story using some of these words and going through some of these passages. So I, I want to start out with the darkness. Um, it, it says in Luke chapter 8 that we just went through that, that she was walking with Jesus. She was actually serving with Jesus. In, in, in chapter 8 verse 3 it says, And there were many others who were contributing to this, the support of the disciples. So not only do we have the 12 disciples, but there's like this entourage and there's women. Even if you look at, at the Greek of the words many others, it's in the feminine uh, version. And, and so we know that there are women that are following and walking around with Jesus part of his ministry and they're going out and they're supporting it says even from their own means so they are giving and they are serving and they are part of of this group and they're going around Galilee which seems to be very heavily demonically taken and and everywhere Jesus would go there would be these people that would be coming out or there would be people being brought to Jesus and saying this person is is demonically possessed now i, I want you to understand that this is Mary. We don't have the big picture. We don't have a lot of her backstory other than she was possessed by seven demons. But let me just walk you through a couple of passages that just give you a glimpse of what it was like to be possessed by demons. In Mark chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, it says, Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. It's amazing because all of the people that Jesus was coming to, everyone was having trouble believing that he was God except for the demons. And then it says in, in Luke chapter 4, it says, Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And in the synagogue there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon. He cried out with a loud voice, Let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, you can go through some of these stories and you look, but the people who were possessed by demons back in the day, they were blind, they were deaf, they were mute. They had fits and seizures. They were constantly afflicted. Let me just show you two passages. One is in Mark chapter 5. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 1, just, just listen. It says, They came to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gerasenes. When he, when Jesus got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs, hanging out kind of in the graveyard area, a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him, and he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. Because he had often... Pace change. 
He had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and shackles broken into pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, day and night, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. This is the life of the people who were afflicted. These are the people who had demons who were possessing them. Um, John MacArthur has this to say. He says, They were always portrayed as tormented people, not willful malefactors. They suffered wretched indignities at the hands of evil spirits. They were all miserable, sorrowful, lonely, heartsick, forlorn, and pitiable creatures. Most of them were regarded as outcasts and pariahs by polite society. Scripture invariably presents them to us as victims with utterly ruined lives. Now, this is a description of people who are possessed by a demon, constant agony, and Mary Magdalene, who was possessed by seven demons, was in seven kinds of agony. Uh, When I have read her story and I think about her as being a follower of Jesus, I don't often connect that she was maybe one of these stark raving mad people running throughout the hills screaming and perhaps gashing herself and tied up with chains. There's only a couple of instances where it says that there are family members that would, there was one father that would bring, that brought his son to Jesus and and he would throw himself into the fire and throw himself into the water. That's not the image of Mary Magdalene that we know about. But she was possessed by seven demons. And this is her backstory. She came from utter darkness. But it says that Jesus cast these out. And so because of that, she was delivered. Now, I, I want us to think about in this time, she was delivered from demons. And then she's following Jesus and walking with him. Can you imagine the gratefulness that Mary is looking at Jesus with, that, that she owed him everything? And then there's this passage in Luke chapter 11. And it talks about uh, when somebody has had a spirit taken out of them. And every time Jesus cast a spirit out, it was instantaneous and it was complete. But there's this passage in Luke chapter 11. And it, it says this. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, not finding any. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. And then it goes and takes along seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. It's interesting that this passage names and says there are seven spirits, even worse. And so I I picture Mary having this experience, and, and to me this is a picture of even how we try to save ourselves, the, the inadequacy of the religion of self-reform, where we are trying to fix ourselves, and I'm just going to change, and I'm going to do things in my own power, and so we just kind of sweep things up, and we just try to take care of things, but we don't have it in our power to change ourselves. The healing and the change in our life ultimately comes from Jesus and Mary knew this and because of that she followed Jesus with all of her heart and that led to her discipleship that led to her following Jesus and so she's going out and she's following him and it's interesting because you look at Jesus and how he dealt with the women of this time 
rabbis during this time, first century, uh, would not allow women to come and be their disciples. If you were a woman in the first century, you could not go to court and give a testimony. You were something other than. And Jesus makes this incredible statement by allowing these women to come through and to follow, and, and not even just to follow, but to have a major role in his ministry. Mary has been delivered from darkness. These demons had gone out. But something happens in her life and something happens in her story. She's following Jesus and we see what's going on as she's following, but disaster hits. And Jesus is betrayed and he's arrested and he's crucified. And there's a story that that takes place. Um, I want to first look at John chapter 19. It says this. And just before that, they divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. It's talking about what was happening to Jesus. And then in verse 25, soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus, standing right there by the cross of Jesus, were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Mary is following Jesus all the way up until the very end. That's, that's the up-close version from John 19, but then you can go to Mark chapter 15, and we can read a little bit more of, of her proximity. And in Matthew chapter 15, it says this, starting in verse 40. There were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of of James, the less, and Joseph, and Salome. And when he was in Galilee, they used to follow him and minister to him. And there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. So they're, they're going around with Jesus. They're following him around in Galilee. And he eventually makes his way down to Judea. And he makes his way down to Jerusalem. And the women are there. And they're still part of the ministry. And then go to verse 47. Jesus is is crucified, and as his body is being taken down, it says, Mary Magdalene and the mother of Joseph were looking on to see where he was laid. Um, the story goes that Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man, had access, got the body, and he brought him to a tomb in a garden. And Mary Magdalene is amongst the women who's watching, and so she is eyewitness, and she sees where Jesus' body was placed. Now we have... Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus is also mentioned. And they are two men who took the body of Jesus. They, they kind of did a really quick burial because the Sabbath was coming. It was the day of rest. They had to follow the commandment. And so they put Jesus in the tomb. But Mary Magdalene and some of these other ladies are watching. And they are observing what was going on. Now, the women of Galilee... In verse, or Luke chapter 23, verses 55 and 56, it says, The women who had come with him out of Galilee followed. They saw the tomb and how his body was laid, and they returned and they prepared spices and perfume. The story goes that Jesus was put in this tomb on Friday, but it says Saturday after the Sabbath was over, they went down to the market and they bought 
perfumes and spices and they prepared, they, they say that it was somewhere between 75 and 80 pounds. That's a lot of spices. And they would come to do a proper burial. This is late Saturday night. And then we pick up the story in John chapter 20. And that's where I really want to land for a few minutes. So if you would go to John chapter 20 and we see this moment of daybreak. And this is recorded in all four gospels. And this is what it says. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, John, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had come first to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. What makes this amazing is that through Jesus' ministry, he keeps telling them what is going to happen. You remember, they came from the upper room and he's saying, the son of man, the time has come and I'm going to be going away. And this is prophecy that these guys would have known and Jesus is dead and they're forgetting about part B here where he comes back to life. And so they come to the tomb and they don't see him. They see the wrappings and they just kind of take off and they go back to their own homes. But Mary, in verse 11, Mary has an encounter. Verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb and she's weeping. She's weeping. Mary is thinking about this amazing friend and savior of her life. She remembers where she has come from. She remembers following him around in his ministry for three plus years. She saw him die on the cross. She saw him taken down. She saw him wrapped up and then his body put in a tomb. And now she's come to do something out of devotion, out of honor because she loves him and she's weeping because he's not there it doesn't occur to her that he rose from the dead this is the story that goes on for her she's standing outside the tomb weeping and so as she wept she stooped and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white they were sitting one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying and they, the angels, said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. 
Is she looking for an alive Jesus Christ? She's looking for a dead body. She came with 75 pounds of perfume and spices to give him a proper burial because she loved him, but she's not looking for a Jesus who was now alive and resurrected from the dead. I don't know where they've laid him. Verse 14, when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there and didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, he spoke now, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, She said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. She sees Jesus, probably through tear-filled eyes, and he says, Whom are you seeking? Why are you weeping? I'm seeking you, but I just don't know it yet. She thought he was the gardener, and maybe this guy, he's part of the crew here at the garden, and he took the body away. Just tell me where he is. I'll take care of the body. I'll bring him in, and I'll, I'll take care of this. I will... Be here and I will be devoted. Then Jesus said to her, one word, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. She knew. It was instantaneous at that moment, but it took quite a while to get there. You know what's amazing about this story is where she had come from to this moment here. And I I go back to Luke 7 that we we talked about. To, To those who have been forgiven much, then they love much. And those who have been forgiven little, they love little. Mary's story tells us that she was freed from a huge burden. And because of that, she devoted the rest of her life to following Jesus. Mark 16 gives us this this account. It says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, mother of James, Salome, they bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Something's happening here. Daybreak is coming. First day of the week in John chapter 20, they come early to the tomb. It's still dark. She has no idea what's going to come. And then all of a sudden, Jesus changes the storyline and offers hope where she thought that she had none. I want you to think about your own stories, the darkness, and what you were saved from. Now, some of you were born at the church, and you just kind of grown up in the church and, and being a Christian your whole life, and some of you have crazy background stories. But I love that Jesus offers hope. And it was with one word. He just calls out. He says, Mary... And she turns and says, Rabbi, my teacher. And I love that if you look on the tombstone, if we had a tombstone for Mary in her life, it says, after he had risen early on the first day of the week in Mark 16, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Who did he appear to first? It was Mary. He could have revealed himself to anyone. He could have gone to Peter. He could have gone to John first. But he chose to appear first to Mary. This is where I want to stop. 
And this is where I want us to just think about our, our own storyline. I don't know where you come from. I don't know the grief, the burden that you've come from. But I believe that our stories have ups and downs. And wherever you might be, there are some of you in here today that you look at your story and you say, I am not worthy to be a follower of Jesus because fill in the blank. And so it's the shame, it's the pain, it's looking back and saying, this is what's happened with me or this is what I have done and because of that, I can't step into it. I want you to know that Jesus is calling us out to be followers wherever you are at in your story. On the back of the outline, uh, this, this timeline, this story line is, is there for you and, and I want you to just sit with this for a second. Um, I just want to give you two minutes of silence right now, just to look at some of these words. And, and where are the places in your life where you've experienced darkness? Where are the places where you were delivered and Jesus stepped into your story? And where were the places in your life where you followed him faithfully? And, and maybe you were going about your life and all of a sudden the bottom dropped out. The rug was pulled out from underneath you. And maybe you are in a place right now where you need hope and you need daybreak. Just for two minutes right now, just turn the outline over and look. And maybe you need to just write some things in there. This is what happened at this point in my story. I'm just going to shut up for two minutes. Would you just sit and think and reflect, where has God brought you in your journey? I spent some time this week with a real-life Mary Magdalene. As she sat in my office this week, um, this is somebody who I'm familiar with, their story, I've been walking with them for the last five or six years. Been walking with them through alcoholism, DUIs, court appearances, getting pregnant, wasn't expected, wasn't married, had some trouble, losing that baby, got married, and now the place in her story is marriage is falling apart. She told me... <laughs> I, I was feeling the weight of the story. I was feeling the darkness. I was feeling the trouble. She said, I wake up every single day and I am so thankful that I have Jesus in my life. I am so thankful for my sobriety. I'm so thankful that he has never left me. And he is the air I breathe he is everything in my life. And it's so timely because I was spending a lot of time this week thinking about Mary's story. And, and she just came alive to me. I think about where we have come from. And, and maybe it's just that we don't know what we've been saved from. 
And, and maybe you have the situations in the storyline of your life is that you were walking this way and you were far from God and he rescued you and you turned your life around. But all of us were lost. Spiritually, we were all gone and far away from him and he has brought us back in he has like first peter says pulled us out of the domain of darkness and brought us into his marvelous light but there is something about our own personal stories that we just want to hold on to and the image for me that uh, I read about recently, but it just keeps coming up over and over again, that I hope is helpful for you, is, is a scrapbook. And as you think about a scrapbook, you can open up a page and you might have a big eight by 10 picture in there. And if you just continue to go through that scrapbook and every page is this like huge glaring eight by 10 picture of pain or shame or disappointment in your life, you're going to close that book and you are going to say, wow, that is a sad story. That's the theme of the book. It's just pain and sadness and suffering. But if you open up the book and you see some pictures of shame, maybe they're not the big, huge 8 by 10s but there are some moments where there, there's disappointment and there, there is painful suffering. And those pictures are surrounded with other pictures of love and grace, and acceptance, and forgiveness. You'll get to the end of that album, and you'll say, it might have been a picture, but that was not the theme of the album. Look at some of the situations in your life, and I, I hope that we are able to look, because of the forgiveness of Jesus in our lives, that it's, it's not the theme. It's not just about that picture. It's, it's about the, the album. And what is God doing in the sum total of our lives. I don't think Mary held on to this identity of I was possessed by seven demons and that's who I am. I think that she was freed and released and because of that she followed Jesus with all of the devotion that her heart could muster up until his death and then beyond. So whatever that is in your life, I pray that you would have release, that you would know that he has set us free, that he has promised us hope, and that hope comes from him. And so as we go into Thanksgiving this week, I, I pray that our, our, our hearts are filled with gratitude and that we would have this idea, this, this understanding of how much that we've been saved from. And we move from desperation that we maybe once had, or maybe you're right there right now, and that would move us towards devotion. And so this morning, we, we want to we give back to the Lord, and we want to respond through worship. And I just want to give you some, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now, but I, as we move into this time, that you can pray, and we, we will have these prayer points here, and just to come up and to pray with somebody and say, this is what God has delivered me from, and I want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. That we could take communion this morning and we could remember that it was because of his death that we are free and that we could give. But that we would just take this time right now and that we would enter in and we would come to God in the spirit of thanksgiving.
knowing that he loves us and he cares for us. Despite our stories, despite our background, those are the pictures, but it's not the sum total of the whole album. Let me pray. God, help us to be followers of you. Help us to follow you with the devotion of Mary Magdalene. Work in each of our lives in such a way, God, that you would be the one that receives the glory. Remind us, God, that we are yours and that you have freed us into life and life everlasting. So that's reason for rejoicing. So Lord, as we pour out our hearts before you right now and worship God, may you be central to everything that's going on. In Jesus' name, amen.